Hi everybody, welcome to Remember the Ots. This is our inaugural episode. I'm Courtney. And this is Thomas. And we're going to talk about everything from the Ots, from Ashley Simpson's backup track at SNL, to Zac Efron's weird choreography in High School Musical. And everything from PlayStation 2 to Hot Topic Mall Gots. I found this out today. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Zac Efron, do you know he was on an MTV dating show? Was he really? Yes. It was How old one, was he? I don't remember. It was <laughs> one where like you go around potential dates rooms and you pick your date based on how much you like their room. Oh my god, Joe and I were just talking about this show. It was called Room Raiders. Yes, he was on yeah. Room Raiders. <laughs> we were literally just talking about this show because I mentioned Next after you mentioned Next in a text message. And then my head started spiraling through every MTV dating show that ever existed. Yeah. Including Room Raiders. And that ridiculous one where it was about musicians that people liked. So they would have three girls or guys act like that musician and recreate their music videos. And then the guy would pick the girl he'd go on a date with. Are you serious? That w- I didn't even know about yeah. this one. Yeah, I s- distinctly remember the Avril Lavigne episode. Oh, no. <laughs> That's... I gotta look this up. Yeah. We have a whole thing just about MTV dating shows. A whole thing on MTV dating shows. And we're gonna do an episode soon that reminds me we gotta do a whole thing on Kenan Thompson. Yes. Yeah. Whom I met in 2011. Oh, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So on today's episode, what else could we start with but Shrek? Hey now. You're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. (laughs) I cannot believe that this is the first movie that ever won the Oscars best original animated feature. Yeah, this this has been a journey, to say the least, (laughs) looking into the story of Shrek. This is why I think that mind control has to be a real thing, because it was such a huge hit had at least four movies, a musical, TV show syndicates on Netflix, right? Yeah. Um, And video games. They literally started the Shrek video game to support the Xbox, not the other way around. And it's just collectively forgotten from mainstream society. We've just shut it all out from our minds Almost entirely. The amount of spinoffs, like even in Universal, you they still have like the Shrek four. Is it four D? Like Shrek, it, it. Does that still exist? I think so. Like <laughs> I know that last time I was there, that I definitely saw Shrek just lurking. Courtney, I think it's time. Time for what, Tom? I think it's time for our Zoomer correspondent segment. All right, we wanted to thank you, first of all, for being our Zoomer correspondent. This is thank you for having me. This is Kesey. He is my sister's uh, friend. They are our Zoomer correspondents. Um, I think that, well, Courtney, you actually had the idea that it would be very important to get their insight on a lot of things that we grew up with to get an outside perspective. Because sometimes we need to be reminded that these things were cringy. Yeah, and especially things like Shrek, where, like, obviously they know what it is 
before yeah. like even seeing it. I'm just sort of curious what those things mean to the younger generation. Yeah. So Casey, um, if you can describe to us the movie and the character of Shrek, how did you come to find out about Shrek? And did you encounter Shrek as a meme first or the movie? No, I definitely saw the movie before I saw him as a meme. Okay. But um, I think Shrek as a character is very is a very like I don't know how to describe it, but he is trying to fulfill himself. He's trying to become the best him that he can, but he's very stubborn at the same time. Yeah. So, like, throughout all of the movies, he's just trying to... He he betters himself in one way throughout all the movies. Like, the first movie, he becomes, like, a, he just becomes a better person. He's... It's easier for him to communicate with others. Yes. And then, as the movies go on, he, like, builds relationships and grows as a person or an ogre or an ogre not a person an ogre yeah mm -hmm. um i think the movies they're all very good very epic i think the only two that i personally like are shrek forever after and the first one okay oh. those two are the ones that like Shrek grows the most in and they're the most interesting to watch throughout the whole thing. All right, that's fair. Yes. Wow, I've never seen the last one now. I feel like we have to watch it. <laughs> that we do. Yeah, Casey, Courtney, neither Courtney and I have actually seen Shrek Forever After. Really? Yeah. That's a good movie. It's, I think it's my favorite <laughs> Shrek movie. Is That's the fourth one, right? Because I, I remember seeing the third one. Yeah, the first and the fourth are definitely the best ones. Has he seen Puss in Boots? Have you seen Puss in Boots? I've seen it like once, but I forget about it. That's fair, yeah. yeah. It wasn't okay. memorable enough. That's fair. Alright, thank you for your input on Shrek. No problem. It, <laughs> the Shrek story is a story of the ingenuity of the beginnings of DreamWorks and also Kazenberg's big F you to Pixar and Disney. Which I think that DreamWorks for a while really did have a running stance against Pixar. Yes. It's just that Pixar at its peak really just trampled over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think... You can't really talk about DreamWorks without Pixar. No, absolutely. Because that's where... Yeah. I mean, that's where... Katzenberg was... A, that's where he started was with Disney. Right. And then when he didn't get his promotion, he just left and approached Spielberg mm -hmm. on starting a new studio and a few other mm -hmm. producers whose names I don't remember. Where do the beginnings of Shrek lie? They lie in a book by William Stagg, a famous American cartoonist. Um, and I believe it came out in the early 90s, 91, I want to say. And I don't even remember this book, to be honest. I think I remember seeing it. I've definitely okay. seen, like, when you look up the book or the artist, you see, like, okay, I've seen this work before. But it, yeah. it like, you know, it took off. It was, you know, it was a, I, I think at the time it was fairly popular. And then it got, the rights were purchased by Steven Spielberg, who mm -hmm. originally, this is a really interesting fact I didn't know. 
He wanted to have it, I believe, be live action with Bill Murray as Shrek and Sean and Steve Martin as for Donkey. I like Steve Martin for Donkey. Yeah. I just don't know how you would do an actual live action version of this because the Shrek musical really freaks me out. It has a Tony. <laughs> uh, it shouldn't exist. It is scary, but it, it, it does have a Tony. I mean, the SpongeBob musical also won Tony of the Year. Did it? For, or like Best Musical of the Year, and then it immediately closed. Oh, man. So, I mean, Nickelodeon has some weird choices when it comes to Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> but um, after acquiring it and making early plans, eventually Spielberg was convinced to give the project or like work with the newly studio DreamWorks to make an animated feature. That's where Kazenberg kind of comes in. He's looking to get his hands involved and make a project that's a big, essentially his big FU to Disney and Pixar. And this begins the many years of development hell, bunch of recasts, rewrites, re, you know, restructuring of the of this project that eventually leads us to the glorious, famous, legendary film that we have <laughs> grew up on, Shrek. Courtney, will you please give us the plot to the film Shrek? So the movie starts out at a point in, I would say, American pop culture where everybody's a little sick of the Disney characters, right? And this movie kind of presents itself as like the anti-fairy tale. It starts out with this storybook that Shrek is reading, and he literally uses it as toilet paper and throws it down the drain, which I don't understand because if it's an outhouse, why is there a flushing toilet sound? There's no running water and plumbing system through that toilet at all. You're, you're giving me too much to think about. Now I'm thinking, <laughs> where is that plumbing going? I have a lot of questions about simple anachronisms that I know was a choice and a comedic choice, but I just don't understand in functionality. Um, so it starts out, you are already getting the setting for this movie. It's an anti-fairy tale. We follow this hero who is not a knight. He's an ogre and he does not want to be bothered by anybody or anything. He wants to live alone in his swamp. Lo and behold, he gets stuck with every single fairy tale that Lord Farquaad, the villain of our story, has ever come in contact with, doesn't want in his realm, doesn't want it anywhere near him, pushes it all aside over to Shrek's swamp. And he decides to go on a quest for Lord Farquaad so he can get rid of those fairy tale creatures, but instead ends up meeting this princess that he has to save for Lord Farquaad to be his wife and ends up falling in love with her. But there is a twist that at one point was actually a twist. There is a in twist. That, there is a twist. Um, in that she turns into an ogre at night after the sun sets. And they start the movie with you thinking they're never going to fall in love. It's a classic. Oh, they hate each other. But actually, they have more in common than you think they do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And actually, I feel like there were a lot of signs leading up to her actually being an ogre. Even as a kid, the part where she eats the, or like she makes the netted 
cotton candy, I would call it, for Shrek. Yeah. And she licks her fingers afterwards. As a kid, I was like, why would you do that? Oh, yeah. Well, she does, just, a, just, yeah. she does a lot of things like that. Doesn't Don't they make... Well, I don't know if it... I literally just watched this, but don't they make, like, <laughs> balloons out of frogs? Yeah, they make a balloon out of a frog, and then she makes a balloon animal out of a snake. And it's like, no human would have that amount of strength. Lung capacity alone. Yeah, exactly. So, and also I realize this is the first movie that the next movies and the whole entire series actually ruins the twist in the first one. So if you never saw Shrek 1, it's not going to seem like that big of a deal. It's like when you grow up hearing, oh, I see dead people or he was dead the whole time. Like, that plot is ruined before you even see the movie. That's true. And you know what's interesting? The, the moment you started talking about it, I'm like, yeah, when we were kids, like, we did not know that Fiona was an ogre. Yeah. <laughs> we did not know. It's like, it's weird to think because it's so burned into our, you know, consciousness. Like, oh, yeah, Shrek and Fiona, the two ogres. But it's like, no, that that's they sold the movie on that she's a princess, you know. And right. You, I think you... You don't see that. I don't even it, it, rewatching it. I'm like, oh yeah, she was a, a princess, like a woman, like not right. an ogre, not with all the layers, <laughs> but a, but a human woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started the movie thinking, well, the animation's gonna be right off the bat bad, and then I started it, and I'm like, you know what? Actually, this was pretty good for its time. And then once they cut to any humans. I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't actually that good. No. I think that at the time, I think what DreamWorks had over Pixar was the facial animations. Yeah. Like, we just think back to Toy Story and, like, why the toys work so well is that you could have that polished look without all the minute details. So I think that was, like, DreamWorks' big, like, first one up was, like, we can get eyebrows. (laughs) Yeah, I think once they showed his teeth, I was like, Oh no. Ugh. This is not that good. (laughs) I wanted to ask, where what do you did you go to the theater to watch Shrek when it came out? I must have. Did you? I you know what's interesting? No, I I didn't see it in theaters, but I remember getting it on VHS and loving the movie and getting really excited to see the second one. I saw the second one in theaters with my parents, and that was I was just blown away. Like it's weird because I thinking back to 2001 Tom. Very oh. unique. We were in the fifth grade, right? Yes. Oh, man. I think so. That, that it must have come out in 2001, maybe when I was still nine. But it's hard to say what time of the year that was. I just remember being nine. But it could have been like before I turned 10 and when you turned 10 or something. Yeah. yeah. I remember seeing it on video and falling in love. It wasn't like I missed it. I just like, I knew it was there. Like, I knew of Shrek, it kind of blew up when it came out. So then when I saw it at home video, like, it was just the funniest thing. Because it was the the type of thing you watch with your parents, and they're also enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Shrek, if anything, DreamWorks gave us the very relevant in the moment pop culture references that don't date very well, necessarily. No. Um, One of them specifically being, and at the time, I loved this, like, having a female princess who could kick butt like Charlie's Angels. Like, you had to have that moment because of Cameron Diaz. Now is just sort of forgotten about. Yeah. 
Well, I love because what did they also do that freeze frame like from the Matrix where she's in midair? Everybody did that back then. Yeah, everybody had to do that. We still do bullet time from the Matrix. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, man. I feel like this was really <laughs> just going down into a rabbit hole. I know I said like, let's do Shrek for the first one, but I really had no idea how deep this was going to go. Yeah, there's so much to this the, the story of this film it, it's because it goes deep both ways it goes deep in that this was a thing on the conscious forefront of like an animated or even live action production mm-hmm. back in 1990 and we wouldn't see it until 2001 and then how many years later and for for worse possibly shrek has its own like to this day underground relevancy it's fascinating. First of all, I didn't even know that there was a game called Shrek Super Slam. Yeah, what? that has a major cult following. What a knockoff from Super Smash Bros. I agree with you, but people who play that game take it very seriously. Now I want to know, like, who are these people who can't find their like own niche in the world? They're like, oh, what am I going to do with my life? Oh my god, I'll become a Shrek super slam player i found my calling (laughs) there is still to this day competitive shrek super slam tournaments i'm afraid to watch it because i'm afraid i'll be entranced by it yeah (laughs) it's i when i found that out i the rabbit hole of shrek is just a fascinating one but um shrek super slam uh the meme culture how he's been memefied in the last 10 years the legacy of Shrek is just, and it, it does have, to me, there's this fascinating, like, parallel to, like, just a sure, like, it's almost a miracle. This movie got made in the first place yeah. with all its hurdles. Like, should, do you want to talk about, like, the Chris Farley Shrek? I still didn't get a chance to listen to it. What What did you think about it? It's different. Okay. Like, it's, it's like, Eddie Murphy's still sh- donkey. Yeah. But this was a time when they recorded most of the movie with Chris Farley. Uh, it's definitely a different approach. It There's a couple of out story elements that are different. Like they get more into like Shrek's parents. And apparently that has something that has more in common with the book. And this fear of abandonment and mm. resentment. But then, uh, so like that version of Shrek was tailored to Chris Farley. So when he died, they kind of were just like, what do we do? And I think even originally, uh, Fiona was going to be Gene Garofalo. That's such a weird mix because yeah. I see Janine. When I think of Janine Garofalo, I think of somebody who is like on the sidelines, being super snarky, super sarcastic, like unfortunately being typecast as like the best friend. Yeah, but that's where I see her. I mean, I do love Chris Farley. I think anybody from our generation just has a soft spot, has, has a soft spot for uh, Chris Farley. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Like it's just it's such a fascinating backstory, and I like like everyone talks about Chris Farley because obviously he was Shrek, like he was going to be Shrek. But like I had no idea until I did research that Gene Garofalo was the original Princess Fiona, and then they just kind of scrapped that because. Then they go with Mike uh, Mike Myers after approaching a few people. Did you? You're gonna love this. What? I don't know if you know this. Uh, Katzenberg, the producer, 
really wanted Nicolas Cage. Oh my as god! <gasps> what a dream! And Nicolas Cage, I think, uh, in like an interview with MTV, has like since then said that he regretted not taking Shrek. Of course, he does. That man's decision making in roles. Like I know that he had some financial issues, so he was saying yes to a bunch of things. Of all things to say no to. I mean, he said yes to. <laughs> Ghost Rider. He said yes to um a bunch of Christian films mm-hmm. that are really bad. He said he said he said yes to the Wicker Man. <laughs> what a silly movie. Oh my god. I know. But he said no to Shrek. I don't want to be seen as an ogre. I'm a serious actor. I have been playing Persona for over a hundred hours which I did not know was part of the game and there is a persona that you can get in the game called Hellbiker and I'm like oh is yeah there... there's there's Nicolas Cage does it have a flaming skull? you bet he does and he's got oh, a flaming motorcycle do we have a potential future episode? I think that movie came out in like what 2007 Ghost Rider? I think we need to cover all of the pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe superhero films. Yes, please. Every single one of them. We could take breaks in between. We can do DC versus Marvel. I think we'll need breaks in between. But like, we have to cover Daredevil. Oh, no. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) The role Ben Affleck took because he knew he would never be Batman. I have never seen it. I know what happens. I know it's bad, but we got to do it. Yes. Sometimes you just need to see something out, even though you know it's going to crash and burn. A hundred percent. In a lot of bright red fake leather. That's what an era. The 2000s were amazing, right? I love <laughs> this time. So weird. Like such a strange collage of like bright colors and things that don't match. So, <laughs> I mean, I feel like Shrek is the perfect one for us to start yes. with because it's just so bizarre. I mean, does he even really own the swamp? I was wondering that the whole time. He kept saying my swamp. And it's like, is it a territory thing? Is it a legal thing? Does he actually own the property of the swamp? Who is he to say that they can't stay in the swamp? That's a good point. And I mean, I don't know the zoning laws of uh, you don't? I don't of this universe. But it seems like Shrek just got away with the fact that nobody else ever wanted to live in the swamp. But now he yeah. has to deal with other people in the swamp that he just couldn't handle it. Right. And at the time as a kid, you know, you see him taking his mud bath and he's farting and he's like, ha ha ha, oops. And as a kid, you're just like, this guy's the best. And then you grow up and you're like, I really don't care if he ends up with a princess or not. No. <laughs> yeah. I did want to throw it back real quick. Because yeah. um, when, because eventually, we're, no, we Nick, the magical Nicolas Cage says no to Shrek, which yeah. imagine yeah. that world, a Nicolas Cage Shrek. But, I feel like, one, it would be insane. Yes. Two it probably would not have continued the way that it did or with him in it. Yeah, the the Shrek that we know and love is a, an amalgamation of so many things that went wrong. <laughs> like, it shouldn't exist, but it does. Because then you get, after Nicolas Cage turns it down, then we get, you know, 
Mike Myers. Mike Myers steps into the role. He does about 90% of the audio recordings in his regular accent, which for people at home who do not realize this, he is not like his, I think his parents, his parents are British, but he grew up in Canada. He's Canadian. He's Canadian. He doesn't, he did not have an English accent, especially not a Scottish accent. (laughs) So his regular accent was just like that of North American Canadian. And Mm -hmm. then, uh, at some point, and 90, 90% of the way through the film. And you got to think, this is 2001. This isn't just like, I'll stay at home and record on my computer audio. This is a couple million dollars worth of audio equipment and recording and animation that has to change for right. the, you know, the, the synchronization of mouth to speech. And he just said, hey, you know, it'd be funny because the great John Lithgow is playing this villain as this very English aristocrat. Wouldn't it be funny if I put Shrek with a Shrek, uh, with a Shrek accent? With a Shrek accent. <laughs> with a Scottish <laughs> <No>. accent. <laughs> there's the Scottish accent, and then there's the Shrek accent, I think which a, I feel like is different. <laughs> a lot of Scottish people would agree, because apparently it's not authentically Scottish. Definitely not. So then they're like, great, here's just a few more million dollars to redo this project that's been in development hell. Like, would this happen today? Would they, would a studio put this much money in a project? Actually, I take that back. I think of Justice League. Never mind. I think they totally would. I was thinking of also uh, the $2 million mask fix for Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern. Yeah, who remembers that movie? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Back to, like, John Lithgow playing Lord Farquaad. I mean, like, what an amazing voice actor and actor in general i mean he obviously was going for that english what they would call like mid-atlantic accent right yeah this sort of proper i'm a lord kind of voice and i just i think that john lithgow really nails it he's so good oh yeah he deserves every award (laughs) that's one of the things that like i would say shrek 2 is it's still holds up it's a good movie and it was i think until recently it was like the highest grossing animated film of all time shrek 2 mm-hmm. but like that's one of the things you miss from all the other sh- you know especially when you was a kid you miss that john lithgow character because he you know he spoiler he gets eaten by the dragon <laughs> so he's no he's not in the other movies but his character was such like it's you know it, it, as stupid as the Scottish accent is, it does work in this comparison to John Lithgow's very modest, you know, almost theatric like thespian performance. Exactly. As a short man with a big head. I just think that's that is what I think the other movies are missing. I loved Lord Far- Lord Farquaad. I think he's hilarious. Um, I grew up watching Third Rock from the Sun, as I'm sure you did too. <laughs> yeah. So hearing John Lithgow's voice, even that young, I was like, ah, of course he's Lord Farquaad. So there's one scene in question that I need your honest opinion on. We could go back and watch it in slow motion if we have to. Okay. Okay, I'm going to set the scene. Yes. It's late at night, and Lord Farquaad is in his zebra pattern, circular bed with a martini glass. And he asks the magic mirror to show more footage of Fiona. And the magic mirror literally cringes and continues to show him footage of Fiona. 
And then suddenly, Lord Farquaad looks down at his blanket at his lap and then pushes it up a little bit higher. What? (laughs) Yes. Why do you think he was doing that, Tom? The answer is yes. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because... I was like, okay, they could play it off like, oh, he's a little chilly because he's shirtless and he's a tiny man. Or yes. he was getting busy. Oh, no, that's I think that's 100% what they were going for. Matter of fact, yeah. I type in uh, onto YouTube, Shrek, yeah. Shrek Lord Farquaad. That scene comes up. No way. Yeah, that scene comes up. I'm going to... I know this might be a little unorthodox, but I'm going to play it right now. Okay. I'm going to leave this in, by the way. I think it's actually interesting, but I'm going to share my screen with you so you can visually see it with me. Okay, sounds good. All right, let's see this. This is the scene in question right now. Yeah. We'll go frame by frame to figure this out. For the one fan that's watching at home, we're currently on the scene where it pans into Lord Farquaad's castle and he is on his bed in his zebra pattern blanket. Sipping a martini. A hundred percent. Right? That's that's I mean, here's the thing too, because that scene has also been meme of Oh, really? It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Uh, I'm going to show it to you because um, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to show this to you. <laughs> this meme, it, it's this very scene has become a meme. So I think that we're not the only ones that saw this because okay. this is what happens. <laughs> Here we go. It's the same scene, but oh, no. Oh, uh, yeah, it kind of <laughs> don't don't ask me to explain it because I don't get it. Well, it <laughs> I was going to say it it plays similarly to the meme from X Men where Michael Fassbender is like the real you, the real you. It's perfect, and then there's something totally ridiculous there, like Nigel yeah. Thornberry. <laughs> I don't understand this meme, the E meme, but it's yeah. uh, it's that exact same scene, but instead of looking at Princess Fiona, he's looking at himself, but it's (laughs) famous YouTuber Markiplier's face saying E. 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 Um, Maybe it was the development of a youth not understanding that scene as a child, trying to recreate that confusion, because as a kid, you're not going to get what he's doing in the film. No, there were a lot of moments that went over yeah. my head as a kid. So as an adult, somebody said, you know what I miss? I miss watching Shrek and being confused by this scene because now as an adult, I get it. So let me do something to make the scene confusing again for nostalgia. Uh, Mark Applier's <laughs> face on Lord Farquaad saying E. What a beautiful thing. I feel like we have to talk about Shrek-chan. A little oh bit. my god, is this something... You know what's funny is I'm very aware of the Shrek, like internet fame but shrek chan the shrek chan is this weird thing that happened between 2012 and 2014 that is essentially 4chan but is shrek focused 
only centralized around Shrek. And I don't know if it was Katzenberg specifically, but I know that they had it closed down. And if you look it up still, you will probably see, like, Rest in Peace Shrek Shrek Chan from 2012 to 2014. And they specifically said when they shut it down, this meme is dead. It's over. And I think, what better way to solidify a meme at its peak when the creator of that thing says, oh no, this is dead. It's over. That just makes people accelerate 110% and say like, oh, we're going to, we're going to keep going with this. This ain't over. Um, I would say that Shrek has had since probably since around Shrek Chan, a second life where there's a whole, like my sister who's 16 now knew Shrek since yeah. she was at least 10, but not from the movies. <laughs> not from the movies. Shrek has it's it's the resilience of Shrek is incredible because there hasn't been a movie since 2010, but Shrek as a meme has really it's a it, there's a whole psych there's a whole sociological study here about the second life of Shrek as a meme. Yeah, it's so strange, and I don't know is that because as we've grown up, we've taken those childhood memories and turned it into a meme. Or is this just another translation of once something's been in pop culture as successfully as the movie Shrek, you just become aware of it. Like the way that we know the ending of Sixth Sense when we're kids and we've never seen it. Or the Matrix bullet trick, you know? Is it just like another transmutation of that? Or is it because we as a generation are I think it's a combination of everything. Because every, because like we also <laughs> memeified SpongeBob. Like SpongeBob is one of the most popular yeah. memes of the last decade. I think there is this significance yeah. in our generation and age brackets close to us having grown up with this and expressing, you know, certain attitudes, feelings, or just sheer dankness through <laughs> through an image that hits in a like a nostalgic home place. So Shrek, I think, being yeah. that it was so massive in 2001 and then the second film arguably even being bigger, there is this relevance mm-hmm. to say, hey, remember Shrek? And then, like you said, it, it all these different elements also apply. The, you know, the, the meme of Shrek. Like the fact, I mean, it's, it's a miracle that this movie even got made, but not only did it get made, but it became so relevant that it's a meme that my sister never saw that she still has never seen a Shrek movie. <laughs> That's amazing. We should ask her to just guess what we think the plot is. She'll she'll give us an accurate description of the plot and still not know the plot. She'll be like, yeah, she's she'll so say onions have layers like ogres. Yeah. And then she'll say it's never ogre. And I'll be like, well, that line was not in the movie, but you know what? It says ogre. So <laughs> and then right. She's still pretty. But like. On. I think there's an there's an obvious element of nostalgia because there's even you brought up Shrek Chan. I'll 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 bring up Shrek Retold. A I think there's a yeah. gathering of Shrek fans on a yearly basis. And last year they made a shot for shot remake of the original Shrek film with 300 different animators animating particular scenes. And it is a 
It's it's the same premise. It's literally beat for beat the same plot. But each scene, and each scene can be about like a few seconds long to a few minutes long. Mm-hmm. And it's just an animated retelling of the original film with 300 different animation styles. And it is like, I, I watched the whole thing. Um, I don't know if I'm proud of it, but I will say that it, it was fascinating because just when you like there's this constant visual stimuli and a lot of times Mm -hmm. it's like hokiness and jokes at either the animation the meme culture or the the pop culture references because now it's look it's a bunch of adults for for all intents and purposes it's a bunch of adults from all over the world retelling shrek yeah And also, I think that it's okay that you watched it, because in my eyes, as somebody who's done animation and is an animator, um, you are just supporting local animators. What I'm more concerned about is those animators who spent so much time just to create a scene. However crappy, however low budget, however detailed they make it, they spent time hunched over their shoulder like their shoulders hunched over a table seeing no bright daylight to create this thing oh my god it's i just found out something amazing you can buy what? shrek retold on vhs <laughs> why on VHS? because you can buy the original shrek on vhs <laughs> hey now so <laughs> i think now's a good time to also mention the music too i mean how do you talk about Shrek without talking about All Star by Smash Mouth? Oh my god. That the music there. I mean, even the soundtrack, it's, I had the soundtrack. The soundtrack's great. Yeah, the soundtrack was really good. Like yeah. I mean, as a kid I got it for I definitely got it for All Star. <laughs> but um I definitely like it, it it introduced me to a lot of really cool music that I maybe not have known otherwise. Do you know that the Baja men have a song on the original Shrek album? That's beautiful. It's beautiful when all the stars align like that. Let me see. I'm looking up. It's been a while, but I have the original Shrek motion picture soundtrack. And let's see what's on here. I know Pete Yorn is on it. Yes. Hallelujah. Mm Mm-hmm. Joan Jett has to be on it, right? Or somebody who covered Joan Jett? I think it's Joan Jett. Okay. They had to ask Joan Jett for the rights so that they could put that in track. And then, so there's also the whole karaoke special that they added to the VHS. I don't remember this. You don't please remember t- this? Please tell me about this. Oh my goodness. I could do the entire routine for you right now. I still remember it. My sister and I were so into repeating the songs. It was such a strange thing that they added to the end of the VHS that my brain immediately started to place it onto the end of the movie. When I watched it on Amazon, I assumed that they would add this Shrek karaoke special. And they animated an extra sequence where they all start singing into a song, and then it goes into another one. Like, Fiona starts singing Like a Virgin, and then Donkey ends up singing Shout, I think, at some point. Like That's amazing. It's so bizarre. I think it was a, a retaliation towards, you know, what made those early Pixar movies so special is those bloopers that they would animate yes 
like the in-character bloopers. Oh, and yeah. I really do think that because Shrek was, or at least the people who made Shrek, not Shrek himself, uh, were aware that the music for the movie was really spot on. So instead of doing a blooper reel, they made this karaoke special that came with the VHS. I mean, if you're going to get the licensing for all that music. Right. Like, I mean, what, is, what else? They, yes, it was Joan Jett's Bad Reputation. Uh, hallelujah. Yes. The Proclaimers. Oh, wow. Yeah, remember the song, I'm on my way? Yeah. Yeah, that's The Proclaimers. Um, then you have the Eddie Murphy rendition of I'm a Believer. Yep. This is a fascinating thing. Oh, also my covered God. by Smash Mouth. Yes. All Star was already a hit, like, before the movie came out. Mm-hmm. But, like, they got, the studio reached out. They were in negotiations, and they actually asked Smash Mouth, because Smash Mouth did the, their own cover of I'm a Believer, they, which is featured at the end of the film, but they had reached out, and they asked them to do it, and initially, Smash Mouth turned it down. Really? Yeah. They uh, were too big for Shrek? No, I think they, they were willing to copyright the song All-Star, but they weren't going to do the I'm a Believer cover. Mm-hmm. And... Um, then a little thing called um, 9-11 happened. And when oh. the world, yeah, when the world kind of slowed down, they they did end up doing that cover. And that was a song, like, out of all the songs from this movie, like, obviously, you know, All Star is the meme. Like, it still lives on to this day. Like, somebody, <laughs> yeah. like, that is still around. But as a kid, I fell in love with the song I'm a Believer. Which, yeah, it's a good song. Did you know it was by it was written by Neil Diamond, but it was recorded by the Monkees. I was gonna monkeys, say it's by the Monkees, right? Yeah, I liked the Monkees a lot as a kid. I had I had it was the only vinyl I had as a kid, but I had a record player and a vinyl of the Monkees. And I fell in love with that vinyl. I would play it almost every day. It's a great song. And Side A had the self-titled track, The Monkees, which was just like, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Yeah. And on the B side had um, I'm a Believer. And I found that's such a hit song. Like, It's weird to think that The Monkees were like a TV show parody band of like, I want to say The Beatles, but I don't want to be wrong. But I'm, that's what I thought. Mm. But it's so interesting because you hear that song, it's a jam. Yeah, that song's a bop. Like, if you if you told me it was by, like, not to say the Monkees aren't a legitimate band, but, you know, it's like a hokey, like, right. television thing. But then it, you know, and the legacy of it lives on. Obviously, Smash Mouth, oh, <laughs> their Smash cover. Mouth. I want to make a list of all of the movies that that song appeared on uh, All Star. Because there's Rat Race, where they literally show up. <laughs> I don't. Oh my god! I've seen Rat Race. I still How do I not like remember Rat Race. This? I'm afraid to go back and actually truly watch it because I'm afraid I'll be disappointed. Uh, but it's got like Seth Green, Brecken Meyer, it's got Amy Smart and Mr. Bean, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg. Yes, I remember yeah. Mr. Bean. Um, so those two movies. When I had the Digimon movie soundtrack as a child, it had All Star on it and a part. Oh, Did yeah. it really? And a part where there's a Digimon singing at the end and they lace it to Smash Mouth All-Star. So it implies that the Digimon is singing All-Star. 
That's also incredible. a fantastic movie for music. But yeah, it, and you know what's funny? It's like as a kid, speaking of that sidetrack, sorry, <laughs> sidetrack. We should have like I'm gonna keep this in because it's our yeah. first episode. We should come up with like an in canon thing to shout when we go on like a sidetrack. Like an alarm track. that just goes like woo, woo, woo. I think of uh on Nailed It when have you ever seen that show? Nailed it. I feel Continuing like I our did. Track. There's a part where the person who's doing the worst gets a panic button and they show Nicole Byer, who is one of my favorite comedians. She's so funny. It's amazing that somebody who has such raunchy comedy is on such a child-friendly baking competition. Um, she will very dramatically be like, oh no, we're in a panic! And she's rolling around on the floor. <laughs> Meanwhile, like Jacques Therese, this famous like fancy chocolatier from France who loves her and is like whoever the guest judge is. I think it's like Adam Scott or Jason Mansukis. They're just watching her roll on the floor. And then they add like the sound effects and the visual effects in post. It's That's beautiful. Perfect. We will figure out our sidetrack, but I like yeah, what you're thinking. Yeah. I forgot my original sidetrack. That is a true sidetrack. <laughs> What was my? Well, we were uh, talking about the I, classic All Star by Smash Mouth. Yeah. Yes, and then movie yes. soundtracks and Listing Smash movies. Mouth. Rat Race. Listing movies, Rat Race. We're so deep in the sidetrack rabbit hole. Oh no! I to can't be fair, remember. Shrek does that to people. Because there's also really, I mean, we talked about Shrek, the longevity of Shrek, the. Like, there's a few key points that you can take away from Shrek that yeah. it almost never got made. Yeah. Questionably shouldn't have gotten made. <laughs> got made and became incredibly successful mm-hmm. and then had a second life as a meme, which the meme can be as innocent as a group of animators retelling the original story or as uh, un- unforgivable as uh, fan fiction style animation. Where Shrek does unspeakable things. Shrek is life. There's also a video game about Shrek where he chases you. You've shown me that, I think. Or I've seen the Slender Man where they edited it to be Shrek chasing you. Yes, and you're searching for onions in his swamp. To our negative three fans, if you ever feel like checking it out, you should go check out the uh, Shrek horror video game substitutions on YouTube because they are something else. (laughs) And I think, honestly, those videos are what I replaced the original animation quality for. Like, in my head, I remembered the original animation quality being that bad. So when I started watching it, I was surprised, oh, this is actually not so bad. Oh my god, no, that's totally fair. Ugh, Shrek. Shrek and Gmod, <laughs> Shrek and Slenderman. I think it's funny how you can go from such huge success and, like, back to the music thing real quick. I mean, they were so successful that Frau Frau, led by Imogene Heap and a producer that she partnered up with, were a part of the soundtrack for the second movie. And they made this amazing yes. cover of I Need a Hero, which is oh, so yeah. good. But then, um... What was the title song? That, that, yeah, that was great. And then what was the title so track? Because I know, obviously, when you think of Shrek, you think of um, Smash was... Mouth. But I remember 
abs- uh, what is it um accidentally yes, in love i remember that's yes. why the counting crows they did an animated well they did a live action music video with an animated lead singer of the counting crows as a rabbit that's incredible and i actually liked that song as a kid too it wasn't bad i would say it's better than most regular counting yeah i did i love that song because i remember you still have like as a kid it's still hard to kind of get the dissonance from like oh the first shrek movie it was smash mouth so on the second movie like i remember hearing that song going this isn't smash mouth but then but then i fell in love with the song because it took that song is a banger like and what a way to open a movie because it's it's a beautiful parallel well the first movie is shrek being a shreky ogre by himself in a swamp and then shrek 2 is shrek and fiona both being shreky ogres but now in love you can still be yourself and be a shreky shreky ogre but you can do it with another shreky ogre and be in love and that is ultimately the story of shrek the the man the myth the legend the meme the pop icon the universal i guess you could say the ogre the ogre the myth the legend the universal ride that won't die (laughs) why is it still there i just i just love that this movie was the originator of an award on the academy awards and then it's like they wanted to forget about it just as quickly because, like yes. I mentioned to you yesterday, uh, because to our negative 20 fans, uh, we met up last night at my mom's house and we were talking about this, but also not talking about it so we could just talk about it today. But one of the things was, if you Google the Academy Award animated feature, they will tell you the year it started but they will not show you a picture of Shrek. They will show you a picture of the Spirited next away. Winner, Spirited away. <laughs> Which, even as a kid, I was like, this movie is fucked up, and I love it, and I don't understand it, but it's a masterpiece. And I think they wanted so badly <laughs> to cover up the fact that the predecessor to winning an award, like Spirited Away, Shrek. was Shrek. <laughs> They just want to highlight the fact that they, you know, could pay attention to such a beautiful, sublime, animated feature by Hayao Miyazaki that they just wanted to cover up anything to do hey with Hey guys, Shrek. do you remember the fact that Shrek won for Best Animated Feature in yeah. 2002 at the Academy Awards? I, I think that they often realize, like, hmm, you know what? Let's not talk about that one anymore. Like, I think Crash and The Artist have also equally just been forgotten about. Yes. Well, you know what's funny is Shrek beat, and this is, I think, Katzenberg's, like, dream. Right. That Shrek beat Monster Inc. for Best yeah. Animated Feature. I still don't understand that, because, like, I go back and watch Monster Inc., and I love that movie so much. It is. I love it. Like, I don't get me wrong. It's... It, it, it it's so fascinating because Shrek beat Monsters Inc. Yeah. and they're both like, I will say that Monsters Inc. on its own is a better film. Mm-hmm. So it's weird to think in two thousand two thousand one two thousand two that the Academy picked Shrek over <laughs> Monsters Inc. But the longevity of Shrek as a character has more 
Although Monsters Inc. has its own memes. Right. But not nowhere near the power of the Shrek meme. You know, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Become the villain. <laughs> so this was something you talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think this might be a good way to wrap if you feel like we're close to wrapping. I think so. I think we've exhausted a lot of Shrek without fully committing ourselves to becoming fans of Shrek. Um, I would love to ask the question. Yes. Do you think this piece of cinema right. still holds up today and explain why or why not? I think there are some moments that are a little cringy. I don't remember them off the top of my head now, which makes me feel bad. But, I mean, I feel like I think that Shrek is such a, a joke at this point. It's such a punchline that it would be hard to recreate that in a new format, completely new to a new audience. But however, I feel like the concept is the same as Wreck-It Ralph. And I think it's done a little bit better in Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, I've never act that's an interesting comparison. I didn't think about that. Because yeah. yeah, you're right. It's it's the same concept. It's a big monstrous figure man. Right. With a with a softer side. Right. And instead of attacking the Disney princesses, it actually kind of covers the big question of like, am I still relevant? Cause Ooh. you get all these characters from other video games who when their game is um, unplugged, they are homeless and they have to sort of live within the terminal between the video games or they just disappear. And I just think they handle it really, really well in that movie. I also like that they can cover the same concept of like, I'm not bad and that's okay. I think that they can cover it better as Wreck-It Ralph, and they still kind of go over some of the Disney princess tropes when um, Vanellope, I don't want to give away too much because you haven't seen it, when Vanellope figures out who she truly is, they have like a spinny, glittery transformation moment, and even she's like, whoa, so many sparkles. Yeah. So. That's interesting. That's a good, you know, I I wouldn't have thought about that, but you're right, because to answer the question... I think as a, I think it does hold up in some regards, but like, the you really see the pop culture references aged very poorly. Right. Like, there's so like the cringy moments. Those are the moments I cringe. It's like, oh man, like this only was cool in two thousand one. Right. And maybe had a longevity of two years. So it's fascinating because because it's a meta pop culture movie. For sure. Yes. So, like, on that basis, I would say that it doesn't necessarily age well, but somehow the character of Shrek persists despite all that, mm-hmm. like an ogre would, yeah. and just has remained in the front of our psyche for good and bad reasons for the last, like, what, 20 years? Yeah. It's insane. So, but you're right, on a story level, I didn't think about that, but yeah, Wreck and Ralph arguably does a better job. I mean, it's still subjective. Some people might just want more onions in their storyline. Right. They want. They might but, want more farts, which yeah. Wreck-It Ralph surprisingly does not have that much of. It doesn't, and it has no, literally no onions. No, it has zero onions. 
I can go back and check for our big onion fans, but no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just I love Wreck It Ralph and I love Ralph Breaks the Internet. I think that they're two fantastic movies. Um so I think that they kind of cover the same topic, but in a way that is just visually nowadays just more stimulating. Alright guys, thank you so much for listening to us of Remember the Ots. You can listen to us on Spotify where we will be posting weekly. And you can also check out our interactive content on our Instagram. Remember the Ots podcast. And that's with zero zeros. So it's Remember the Zero Zeros podcast. Be sure to like. Give us all the likes. Follow and like. <laughs> and share. I want to know. We want to know your stories too. I can't wait to hear about what other people have to say. So thank you for joining it's a beautiful us. Beautiful thing. Yes, stay tuned, guys.